You have the American dream. You own your own business. But owning a business turns out to be more than you thought. It's a pain in the neck. You're not getting where you want to go. You're not getting what you want to get. And you're working 97 hours a week. <laughs> We're here to help you fix that. This is the Small Business Celebration Podcast. I am your host, Michael Roberts, and on this podcast, you can learn something that you can use today to grow a strong and profitable business. Before we begin our interview with this week's successful small business visioneer, I want to take a moment and thank you, the listener, for helping Small Business Celebration reach a significant milestone. If you're listening to this podcast for the first time, you're about to hear an example of why. 1,500 plus small business owners connect with Small Business Celebration on a weekly basis. When you consider Kern County has just over 10,000 small businesses, 1,500 plus weekly connections is significant. We thank the tremendous content that our Visioneer guests continue to provide to this podcast and you, Visioneer Nation, who have subscribed to this podcast, internalized our guests' valuable insight, and because of it, are growing a strong and profitable business. And we thank you. Welcome, Visioneers. I'm Michael Roberts of the Small Business Celebration Podcast, and we're recording this today here at Dagny's Cafe. If you've been a long-time listener on the podcast, you know that we could do quite a few interviews here at Dagny's Cafe, and uh, they love the wonderful promotions that we give because people remember to come get their coffee here at Dagny's Cafe. And our guest today is a really wonderful visioneer. He has been a long-time resident of Kern County, originally from Houston, Texas, uh, a transplant to Taft, and then has done a tremendous amount of business here in Bakersfield. This is Wayne Dietz Jr., the owner of Dietz Properties, and he has a wealth of, of knowledge. Welcome to the podcast, Dwayne. Well, thank you so much. I'm looking forward to this. Tell us a little bit about what got you into owning your own small business. Okay. I was uh, the vice president and chief financial officer with, uh, at that time, it was called Berry Holding mm -hmm. Company in Taft, and which is now Berry Petroleum. And uh, I actually came to Barry because they had had a former CFO that had more or less lost $15 million of their money <laughs> in a bad investment. And the bank called one day and said, you know, you don't have any cash in your checking account. <laughs> there was a change at the top. Right. And um, the, the president said, uh, they interviewed me in Houston, and they interviewed me in Taft, and um, it only took about 10 minutes, and he said, you're hired. He <laughs> said, the main thing I want you to do is get this thing turned around. Well, even in a company that says it was a large family independent oil company, but it was at that time in the neighborhood of, oh, say, $80, $90 million in revenue, and Though their accounting was not very strong, mm. it was they had a very good old-time bookkeeper that had been there for almost 40 years. So she was pretty worn out, and but she loved the company. The family loved her. But there were things that weren't right, and we got them straightened out, and we got the money back. We worked with the CPA firm, we got a settlement from them, we got a settlement from the attorneys, we got a settlement <laughs> from everybody, and we recovered the $15 million. 
But uh, the president that hired me retired, and a new president came on, and he and I had a difference of opinion like happened. So I said, you know what? I've turned this company around. I'm going to leave, and I'm going to start my own accounting firm, which I did in Taft. And with that, we also had UPS, Federal Express. We did bookkeeping, and we did accounting. And uh, we had mailboxes. And... Um, the people that I was doing the bookkeeping and accounting for, I noticed were also having trouble making their payments and getting all their receivables in, and their accounting systems were pretty lax. Mm-hmm. So I went to the bank that had most of the loans for these companies in Taft and talked to them and said, look, I want to make a deal with you. I'll charge you a percentage to collect those receivables in your notes. And I want to turn around these companies and get them going again so they'll be good customers for you. Well, they bought right into it. Sure, sure. (laughs) So I started with five companies. And we had great success with four. Now, I admit one I finally had to take into bankruptcy because there just wasn't any way. Right. Um, Still, uh, still an 80% success rate is pretty good, and that's something a bank really likes to hear, getting their money back. Right, right, <laughs> and that was the main thing. They wanted their money back. Um, and I also had great support from the former president of Barry, which mm-hmm. was Ray Bradley, which a lot of people will remember from the old days, and uh, Les Clark, who became president of the Independent Oil Producers Agency. Mm-hmm. Both were great in giving me advice and helping me bring in customers. And um, I had a variety of customers, but they all dealt with the oil fields. Mm-hmm. And this was back in 85 or so when everything had fallen apart and they were struggling. But what I found was the biggest problem they had was they were not paying attention to their business. Mm. One owner loved to play golf. He was gone all the time. Mm. He counted on the people in the office to do what they were supposed to do. doesn't work that way. You are the owner of the small business. Your money is invested, not the employee's money. They don't have a dime invested. All they have is a job. And they're not going to have that job long if you're going to be like off for tennis all day. Right. So... I worked very closely with the uh, owners to explain to them, you've got to get back in this company. Many of them couldn't read a financial statement, Hmm. yet they didn't have a CPA or they didn't have an accountant even or a bookkeeping service. They were just counting on their people in the office to do these things. As long as there was money in the bank, they thought they were doing well. Right, right. And they never looked at, well, I only have... $500 $500 in the bank and I've got 5000 worth of bills to pay <laughs> or, or how I'm going to make the payroll this Friday and many other things like that. Or, so, or you have a situation where they've got you know, 5000 10000 100000 that are 60 90 maybe hopeful right. that are out. Yeah, that are out there and get very... I always say after 60 days you can almost kiss it goodbye. It gets tougher and tougher. Right. Well... We uh, we were very successful there, and then I uh, extended that to Bakersfield, and I did a few companies in Bakersfield, and I did one large club in Bakersfield that um, was having financial troubles, collected a lot of their receivables first. That was the thing. 
when I go into a company, I look, one, at what are you doing as an owner to oversee this company and manage it? Two, how are your receivables and how are your payables? At Clarita Tire Company, we know that you want to be safe and secure riding on tires from a family who cares about your family as much as we care for our own. In order to do that, you need quality tires from a family you trust. The problem is, is that there are a hundred different national tire stores in town and their buying process is a chore and they treat you like a faceless number. We believe that you and your family are an extension of our family. We understand the noise you feel with the hundreds of faceless different tire companies that treat you like a faceless number. And that is why we at Clearu Tire Company have one of the largest repeat customer bases in Kern County for the last 77 years. Here's how we do it. When you come into Clearu Tire, you're not just a number, you become family. We select the specific tire that's the safest for your family, your car, and your budget. We install your tires and give you an unconditional guarantee on your tires. Join the Clarou Tire Company family at 530 East 21st Street in Bakersfield, California, or call us at 661-324-6069 or find us on our website at clarutire.com. That's C-L-E-R-O-U tire.com. Stop the feeling of faceless confusion from 100 different national tire stores. Join the family with the Clarou Tire Company family. You'll be glad you did. Clarou Tire Company, 530 East 21st Street in Bakersfield, California. Or call us at 661-324-6069 or find us on our website at clarutire.com. That's C-L-E-R-O-U tire.com. Explain to our listeners how understanding your financials are crucial to your business. Your financials are, are so crucial in, in various ways. One, you've got to look at the margins. If you're a retail company and mm-hmm. you're selling and your margins aren't in line with what are standard for your business, it means, one, you're either paying too much for your materials you're buying right. or your sales are too low, so your margins are not correct. And then you don't have enough money below or you don't have enough to carry on and pay your other expenses. How do you find out that information, what your, what your, you know, what your markup should be compared to other businesses in your in- industry? Well, there are several ways you can do it. You can talk with other business owners in your category. Say you're in the clothing business, which I'm familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, or you can, uh, I mean, today you can go online and Google things, and or the best way really is you ought to have a bookkeeping service. Mm-hmm. I don't care how large or small you are, you start out with a bookkeeping service, right? Because you're you don't have to have them do your daily work, but it, monthly they should review what you've done. They're going to do a calculation and say, hey, wait a minute, your margins are not in line with your business. Mm-hmm. And here's where we ought to be. Should they be 55%? Should they be 50%? You don't want to start getting below about 50 because you're in trouble then. Sure, sure. But um, 
that's not something most business owners even think about or know how to do. And the one thing I've heard from business owners, I say there's three things you have to have in a business. You have to have a good bookkeeping or accounting service, whether it's a CPA or a bookkeeper. You must have a good attorney, and you need a great insurance agent (laughs) because insurance agents can make you or break you by how well they know what they're trying to insure and whether they cover you correctly. And today there's so many extra coverages that a few years ago people in business never thought about. Right. No one ever thought about being sued for not hiring somebody or discriminating in some way against a person. Today that's a big subject. I have a friend that cost him $180,000 to find out how expensive it was. Ouch. And he won the suit. That was just for attorney fees. Right, sure. So win or lose, it's still expensive. But there's insurance out there for that now. There's also uh, insurance for one of the other things. Everyone's on computer now. Most small businesses don't even think of backing up their computers on a regular basis, (laughs) uh, making sure they have the protective software they need to keep people from trying to hack into their system. Right. And usually it's not that they hack into your system, but they hack into your system through they steal all the all the codes from Amazon or something like that, and eventually it'll get down to you because the hackers sell those off to people. Well, and one of the things that's also happening more and more frequently, and it, a lot of small businesses are taken aback by this, because they don't think because they're a small business that nobody will be interested in what they have to offer. But I was talking to a architect last week, in fact, mm-hmm. and his system was hacked into from somebody from overseas because they were interested in how his company was doing electrical wiring diagrams so they could replicate it for another project that they were that mm-hmm. they were doing and all they were doing was fishing around inside his server to see how his firm went ahead and did these drawings and he right. and he does small residential houses and he was thinking why why should I worry about this mm-hmm. and guess what his drawings and his designs were suddenly up on the internet someplace else in another foreign country, and they were stealing his, his ideas and his material. Yes, and that happens so often. And I know, uh, say, the small dress shop or the shoe store or the local pharmacy says, well, I, you know, who knows me? I'm just a one-man shop here. But it's the fact that someone has gotten into the server at some other larger system right stolen the fact that you have joined all these different organizations and and sites and another way it happens is it looks very innocent when you get an email that asks you a question do not answer those do not open those if you open them they can get information right if you don't recognize the email delete it immediately right do not do not even go in. So many people are curious. and Oh, yeah, well, I want to see what this is. Or we're going to give you a $100 free Amazon <laughs> card or whatever. Those, I guarantee you, are traps. Are fishing expeditions. Yes. 
As a small business owner, you are a visioneer, a pioneer with vision. But sometimes it's hard to see the forest through the trees. You know where you want to go. You know what you want to do and have. But you need a confidential second set of eyes to help you get there. Small Business Celebration can be those eyes. Go to smallbusinesscelebration.com and schedule a listening session. See the forest through the trees. Realize your vision. Go to smallbusinesscelebration.com and schedule a listening session today. I wanted you to talk a little bit about why small business owners should get in the habit of signing their own checks. That's a very important thing to do. And small businesses, many business owners tend to turn that over to their, if they have a bookkeeper that they have in, on staff, and they trust them 100%, and they say, well, they've been with us for 20 years, so possibly they, they wouldn't steal from us. I can assure you I've gone into companies that bookkeepers have been there longer than that and shorter than that and have been stealing right along. And it graduates. Mm. And if you're signing the checks, you're looking and you're saying, what is this invoice for? I don't recognize this company. What do we buy from them? Mm-hmm. Well, you find out that's the bookkeeper's company. <laughs> and you've caught something right then. Spend less time in the golf course, less time in the tennis courts, less time at the country club bragging about your business, and more time taking care of your business. And you will find that it's not only just the bookkeeper. I've seen it happen with uh, employees um, where they can put in false sales they can write up tickets for sales. All of a sudden, there's a shortage, but you can't figure out the shortage. They've gotten their commission off it. You're still looking for, well, where'd the money go? Right. Um, I had a company in Houston that had, back when they had the old posting machines mm-hmm. where you put the cards in and ka-chunk, 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 ka-chunk. Right. And um, in the, fr- the front of every billing cycle they had a card with all the differences mm. well it didn't take them long to figure out that it was easy just to add to those differences and take the money mm-hmm. well when i first went to work for them and i was in college then that was one of the things that i looked at and said there's something wrong with this and we dug <laughs> into it and we found at that time unfortunately it was the controller that was stealing the money. Wow. (laughs) Which is very difficult because I work for the controller. (laughs) But it didn't take long to figure it out. So that's always been my strong suit is to look for those discrepancies. And business owners should do the same thing. Mm. Don't think that because you have an accounting error that it's just, oh, it'll figure itself out later. No, you want to know then. If you don't have an accounting service or bookkeeping service, you better get one. And let them do that because that's what they're good at at the end of the month is reconciling all your accounts. And none of your accounts should be reconciled two or three months down the road, which happens many, many times. They need to be reconciled as soon as that statement comes in Mm. because there you're within about a 30-day period of when something's happened. It's much easier to track. Right, right. You wait 
I've had companies, oh, we only do it every six months, or we never reconcile those things. <laughs> and, uh, well, how do you know if you have any money? Right. How do you know if you can pay your bills? Well, we just pay, and once in a while the bank charges an overdraft. Why? <laughs> Overdrafts are expensive, expensive these days. You don't want that. So I know I keep harping on the accounting end of it, which is important. But you also have to look at things like you need to track your inventories. When your inventories are getting out of whack, um, I can tell you of one company that I was working on, and I went out in the yard, and they had just tremendous piles of of, um, of plastic pipe and and uh, rubber hoses all over the yard. Mm-hmm. And I went back in, and I got the owner, and I said, let's go look at this. He said, my God, where would all that come from? <laughs> and I said, I don't know. That's what I'm asking you. And he got to check, and it so happened there was a cute little gal that came in in a short skirt about once a month, and these <laughs> foremen were just eating it up. And they were ordering all this stuff. Well, they couldn't possibly use it as fast as they were ordering it. Right. So a good inventory system is important. Uh, there are very good accounting systems out there for computers. There's QuickBooks, and there's a, there's also very specialized programs for each type of business. That sometimes those are even better, where they um, you can check things like that. You can watch your inventory. Um, we had a program at a clothing store that my wife owned. We could tell what the sales per foot were in her clothing store. So hmm. she could tell even down to that level how things were going. And um, there's other stores. But inventory is very important. You don't want your inventory to get old. Right. Uh, you need to know you're open to buys when you go to the different shows to buy things. And, and everyone goes to shows. I don't care. There's a cigar comp- two cigar companies in town that are getting ready to go to a big show in Las Vegas where they buy cigars. There's... Uh, material companies they have their own shows they go uh, everyone has a well show. And, and trade shows are very important for small mm-hmm. business owners because it keeps you on top of what's the latest and greatest going on in your industry right and it also gives you an opportunity to see new vendors that you may not come across ever mm. before that could actually do something better for your business than your existing vendors or that you'd even thought of in the in the first place absolutely wow. there are and you see those vendors, you talk to people, you talk to other people in your business, and they may say, well, you know, I use so-and-so. Well, gee, I'd never ever thought of them. Right. You go over and talk to them and find out, yeah, we can do that, and we do this extra, and we, we have more parts than the other companies, so you don't have to go to two or three companies to get your parts. Um, they, I know people frown on the idea that you get they call them kickbacks. I don't call them kickbacks. You may get a bonus for sales of sure. s- so much. Um, in some industries, that was cut out by the government a few years ago after the big scandal with the homeowners and the mortgages. But um, it's still important because right. um, it uh, you're working with companies that appreciate your business. You want to do business with them. They do have your parts and they provide you the service which is another thing i like to talk to owners about Mm. is service in your business 
if you walk into the big stores, the, you can talk about how great Walmart is. You can talk about how great Lowe's, Home Depot. Go in there and try and find someone to help you. Right. It's right. very difficult. Right. Uh, I will say I've been quite into Best Buy quite a bit the last few months. And, and they that, do have right. people that can help you and that are knowledgeable. Well, and what has happened with Best Buy is Amazon just about sank that company. Mm-hmm. And the new CEO that came in really put a strong effort into radically changing Best Buy mm-hmm. to compete directly with Amazon. And he knew that one of the greatest assets that he had were his employees and right. being knowledgeable. And so they have a price matching guarantee with Amazon. Mm-hmm. So you could walk into to Best Buy and you get somebody who knows what they're talking about that can help you with what you want and be on the same price, if not better, than Amazon. And they've been able to compete very well. And that's a lesson that a lot of small business owners need to learn because the, the, the big elephant in the room mm-hmm. and the major competitor out there, whether we like it or not, is Amazon. That's right. And Amazon sells from A to Z. They've right. got it. And uh, they, whether it's a grocery store, a drug store, a uh audio supply store what it is they can compete now many of the small businesses will tell you oh i can't compete with them in fact there's an article on the front page of the bakersfield californian today about a number of businesses small businesses that have gone out of business that said they couldn't compete with amazon and yet there are lots of small businesses that are still in business that have learned there are ways um, if someone comes in and actually brings you a price off of Amazon and it's the same item, now you don't be tricked into, well, this, I found this and it's not the same item. That's a different matter. If it's the same matter, maybe you give it to them and right. say, look, you know, that's one customer. You haven't had a hundred customers come in. Right. I know at our family shoe store at Guarantee, if someone comes in with a pair of shoes and said, these are really bad, look, they're falling all apart, and I've only had them six months, a brother-in-law will come out, we'll take them, give them a new pair of shoes. Right. So what have we lost? Very little. Because if we don't, that customer's out there saying, boy, you talk about a crummy store. <laughs> Those are the things small business owners forget. They're thinking, oh, my gosh, that's going to cost me for that pair of shoes that I'm going to have to give him. Well, no, it's not. It's probably going to make you $600 because he's going to go out and tell other people that will (laughs) remember that. And I hear very good comments about that store, and I hate to brag about my own family store, but but it's a good example of how a well-run small business, they're the only shoe store in town left. Right. You know, that you can get personal service. He must have 10 people on the floor. Right. You go into any of these department stores, you have to pick your own shoes out, try them on, hope they fit. Then they give you a hard time when you take them back. You don't want that. And that's what small businesses must learn is in order to compete with Amazon, if you order something and you don't like it, send it back. Right. That's the same thing you've got to do. And, in fact, you might say when the customer comes in and says, boy, I had to get something from Amazon, I had to send it back. Well, you know, 
you could have bought it right here and tried it before you <laughs> had to send it back and find out, no, that wasn't what you needed or we can get you what you need. So the small businesses are not a dying breed. They're a breed that needs to rethink the way they operate. And they're going to have to be more like a mini Amazon. They're going to have to be able to ship. They're going to be able to have to deliver if that's what it takes. And this is all coming from Wayne Dietz of Dietz Properties, who has a long history of turning around small businesses who have made that fatal mistake over and over and over again of not paying attention to their financials and not keeping up with the times and not keeping up with the way business and industry goes. And the question I wanted to ask you now is you've been in business for a long time and you've seen a lot of small businesses come and go, hopefully more come than go. And why do people including yourself, go into owning your own small business. Why did you go into the owning your own business? Well, mine was sort of, I had an interest in it, and I'm always challenged, and I'm willing to take the chance. And there's, a, there's an article that I brought. Mm-hmm. It's a little something I've always remembered. It was by uh, Theodore Roosevelt, and it was called In the Arena. In fact, there was a book written by Richard Nixon many years ago (laughs) that was called In the Arena. But um, I don't know if you want me to read that or if you can put that on the... Well, well, what I'll do is, for the listeners that want to read it, what I'll do is I'll take a snapshot of it, and I'll put it up on our website uh, in conjunction with this picture, and uh, you can go ahead and view it there. And uh, it's it's a good little read there. So thank you, Wayne. I appreciate that. But it basically talks about it's not the critic who counts. It's about the man that gets into the arena and gets bloodied a few times. And the other thing small business owners need to understand is you're not going to be successful in every single business you try. Mm. You must understand, too, I had a lady come to me when I had my accounting practice that said, I want to open a cake decorating store. Okay. Well, she was very good at cake decorating. And I said to her, though, I said, have you put any kind of financial data together? Well, not really, but all my friends tell me I'd really be good at that. Well, all your friends are not the experts in the field. (laughs) And it sounds like this is an excellent hobby, not necessarily a good business. Right. And you're doing very well at home decorating cakes. You could even sell a few things there and make it much better. Uh, But she was going to rent a store building. And so I said, well, let's just quickly run down. We put some numbers together, and I showed her how much it would need just to open the store. Mm Mm-hmm. And said, well, I have that. And I said, all right, now you've got to live for about two, maybe three years before you're really going to show a significant profit, unless you're just extremely lucky. And in this type of business, it's tough because you have two bakeries in town that bake beautiful wedding cakes. So you're really counting and doing the decorating, the accessory things. Well, she said, I thought I was going to live off the business. And I said, well, that's pretty hard to do the first year. I said, uh, I asked her how much she expected, and we worked it out. And I said, I just can't see that happening. Well, she said, well, I think you're wrong. And I said, well, I'm sorry. And 
but I'll be glad to help you when you get started if that's what you're going to do. Well, she lasted about three months. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. And I was sorry. I was really sorry to hear her. And in fact, I felt so badly for her, I didn't even charge her for my time. <laughs> because I said this was just a, I knew it was a disaster going in. But that's because people don't think and research. Uh, they may think they're good at something. Many people are very good at what they do, very poor as business people. Right. Um, I can't tell you the number of restaurants that have come and gone into town that have been opened by excellent chefs. Right. But they know, don't know the first thing about business. Right. Or how to keep the profits in line. And um, that's what you have to do. I, um, I was in a position when I opened my business, I had the cash. Uh, my father-in-law used to tell me, he said, you must have capital and lots of capital in order to open a business. Right. Because you, you can't look at just your opening costs. You've got to have enough money to keep the thing going for a year. You've got rent going on every month. The first few months, you may not even do enough to pay the rent for the next month. Right. So capital is very important. Now, capital sometimes is hard to come by because you go to a bank and you say, well, I've got this great idea, but I've never done it before. They're probably going to say, well, you know, it's been nice talking to you. <laughs> um, you really need your own capital. Or if you're lucky enough to have family members or someone like that that can lend you some money. Um, As we were just about out of time. And uh, again, for those of you who are listening, it's uh, we're here with Wayne Dietz of Dietz Properties. And... I'd like to finish our very detailed conversation because we've covered a lot of great stuff on this, on this interview. But for our listeners who have a business and look at their business and say, see that it, it could be better, they're just not sure what it is that they're looking for, give us three, two or three markers of things that they should look into to determine where the, the blind spots in their business may be so they can improve the quality of their business? Okay. One, I think they should check their inventory turnover. Mm -hmm. Old inventory keeps you from bringing in new inventory, which keeps your profits down. Mm -hmm. You should look at your receivables very closely every day. What cash are you bringing in? Mm -hmm. Where's it going? Where's it coming from? And the third is check your payables mm. and make sure uh, that you have money for payroll. Most companies get to the end of the week and are in a panic because they're saying, oh, we've got to go out to Joe's and try to collect an invoice so we can make payroll. That shouldn't happen on Thursday when you're making payroll on Friday. You should know this as you go along. So I say inventory Receivables and payables are three key elements to check your business. And the quality of your business is also important because you touched on this with the Kate decorator. Mm -hmm. What are two or three things that a business owner should look at for the type of business that they have to determine its long-term viability? Well, one of the things you should look at is what other businesses are in the area mm -hmm. and what they've done to be successful. You know, you can name a number of businesses in this town that are 100 years old 
and 60 years old and uh, 50 years old. Do they provide good service? Yes, they do, or they wouldn't stay in business. Can they do things even that Amazon can't do? They can deliver today. Can you order a couch from Amazon and get it today? No. You can order a couch from Earners or a few (laughs) of the others more and some of those. You can get it immediately if you need it. Uh, and, And the other is that you have knowledgeable people in the field and a good service department. Mm. You know, we haven't really touched in service, but service is so important. Right. Because you can buy something from Amazon, but they're not going to service it for you when it breaks. Right, right. And that's where you buy at something from a local store. They will service it and take care of it for you. And finally, I've been bringing this up the entire podcast, the name of your business mm-hmm. is... Deets Properties. Yes. And very briefly, how did you transition from going into rescuing businesses and making them profitable into the property business? Well, I took some of the money that I'd made from rescuing businesses, (laughs) and when I retired, I said, you know, I'd like to have a little extra income. Right. So I got together, I interviewed several real estate agents, and we picked what we thought was a very fine one, which she's turned out to be amazing over the last 10 years. And who is she? Shante Brinsfield with Watson. Okay. And everything that we've done, we've done through her. And I don't want to get into how many I have, but I have (laughs) quite a few. And uh, they've all been profitable. Every one of them cash flows. I'm not looking for slum houses. <laughs> I do own houses in Oildale, but I'll say they're probably the best-looking houses in Oildale. <laughs> they're painted. They're new windows. The grass is green in the front yard. Uh, whatever needs to be done, we do. Sure. And there again, that goes back to what your customer wants. Uh, I have a customer that calls, and every year she wants her fruit trees trimmed. Well, Sure. She pays me a nice rent. She's a great customer. She's been there for seven years. What am I going to say? Heck no. Trim your own trees. They're not our trees. They're mine. Right. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So it gets back there again to customer service and uh, looking out for your properties, making sure that they're in first-class shape so that people want to rent. And I, my father was in the rental business for years, which is how another Mm. thing that helped me get into it. And he told me, Wayne, don't raise rents every year just because you can. Right. He said, I have tenants that have been in my buildings for 20 years and never asked for a thing. Do you realize how much it costs every time they move out for me to have to re-carpet, repaint? And then yep. you'll never make that money up. Nope, nope. And so in only two cases have I ever raised my rent in 10 years. You know, I was talking to a a rental property owner a couple months ago, and uh, every year he raised the rent on his tenants, and he could never understand why about a month after he raised the rent, suddenly the tenant needed a new dishwasher because it Mm -hmm. broke, or he needed a new cooler because it broke. It was always so convenient Mm -hmm. (laughs) that that happened. (laughs) Well, see, I just uh, did one with with a tenant that wanted some new insulation. So we sort of cut a deal that I'd raise the rent so much uh, to help offset the cost of the insulation. Well, I had also put new windows in for them and painted their house and some other things. 
but they're very agreeable. Right. Oh, sure, because it's going to help their their uh, the light bill go down. Right. And um, so I'll work deals with people like that too. You know, it's not it's not always just no, I won't do it. It's well, yeah, if you want to help pitch in, you know, this is going to cost quite a bit of money to do this and. I'm happy to do it, but I'm going to have to pay for it, too. So Excellent. Right. So as we wrap it up here, Wayne, if somebody wants, if one of our listeners wanted to get in touch with you, how would they do that? Two emails. One is wdeetsjr at icloud.com, and then wdeetsjr at gmail.com. Uh, I don't charge them for the first visit. I'll be happy to come out to their businesses or their homes, whatever they need, and we'll talk and see what we can do for them. Very good. Well, Wayne, this has been an action-packed, jam-filled interview, and I thank you very much for being on the podcast and being a true visioneer of small business. Thank you, Wayne. Well, thank you. I've certainly enjoyed it. I've been asked, who is a visioneer. A visioneer is a small business owner who's a pioneer that has vision. A visioneer is someone willing to see the world, not as it is, but as it could be, and is willing to do something about it. A visioneer is ethical, smarter, faster, and leaner than the mainstream competition. A visioneer gives value first because visioneers are in business for the long haul. Visioneers understand the difference between saving money and earning a profit. Visioneers define their destiny. Visioneers create their own luck. Visioneers surround themselves with successful, like-minded people. Visioneers are renegades who defy the mainstream competition and are ready to change the world. Are you a visioneer? Become a visioneer by joining the Tribe on Small Business Celebrations Facebook page and on Instagram today. Thank you for listening to the Small Business Celebration Podcast. Some of today's music was brought to you by Ted Hammond, and you may find more of Ted's music at ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. And that's ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. Also, if you enjoyed this episode and gained some insight from it for your business, subscribe to this podcast at iTunes.com forward slash Small Business Celebration and give us a five-star review. If there is a business you'd like us to interview, reach out to us on Facebook and let us know. Until next time, I am your host, Michael Roberts of the Small Business Celebration Podcast, and we wish you a strong and profitable business. <laughs>